You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players and all about strategy, leveling up and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back to episode 118 of Arsenal Pass. Brendan Patrick, are you brushing up on your Spanish skills? No, <laughs> but luckily you can get around Barcelona pretty easily with English. Um, I don't know. I've been to Barcelona. Have you? I went uh, quite a long time ago when I was actually very young. It's a very beautiful city, very nice area to be in. Um, we are going in Europe, so no air conditioning, no problem. We'll be fine. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, I, Hayden? We finally got the announcement. Are you happy about the location? I, you know, honestly, I want to be. I'm gonna be honest. We didn't talk about it on the pod. But uh, I was legitimately concerned that maybe we would get like a very serious uh, postponement or cancellation with uh, how late this this announcement was going. Yeah, I mean, just first of all, if you haven't seen already, it's about two days since the announcement, but that's about an hour since the announcements happened in real life. Luckily, usually LSS will make announcements after we record Mm -hmm. the pod, but this time they've been generous to us and made sure that it's before we record the pod. Worlds has been announced. It is the weekend of or running 16th to 19th November. It is happening in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, I mean, I've never been, Brendan. I'm, I'm excited to go. It's a mm. beautiful part of the world I've heard. It's uh, November, so it's going to be a little bit maybe less intense heat-wise <laughs> than last time we were in Europe when we were in the north of France for 30 plus Celsius degree days. Uh, and like you say, you know, heat with no air conditioning being Europe and all. Uh, but no, very excited. Excited that we have this announcement for World Championships. It's obviously been something that you know, we've been expecting for a couple of months now since Baltimore. It's, you know, about seven to eight weeks longer or later than we thought it would come. Um, but I still think, you know, I was looking at flight prices this morning as soon as the announcement happened and they're still pretty reasonable as I think if you can book in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, um, I was saying to Brendan before we jump on the pod, it's the weekend before my 30th birthday. So, you know, the opportunity to be potentially in, in Europe for that could be exciting as well. Mm, you excited to be the big 3-0? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Hayden, what can I say? LSS, you know, they pledged to deliver the best competitive TCG on the market. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we're just finally reading the article. Honestly, I hadn't read the article before you hopped on. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'd heard rumors that this might be in Eastern Europe, actually, because I think the original the original plan was actually Paris, but we did end up getting Barcelona here. Hayden, you said you haven't been. Uh, the things I remember about Barcelona is beautiful architecture, beautiful food. And uh, yeah, it's pretty laid back city, laid back culture from what I understand, but been a long time because I was quite young when I, yeah. when I went. Um, Hayden? Well, I was just going to say, just, just on it, we might as well just go through the announcement while, while we're here. Uh, so this is uh, happening in Barcelona, as we talked about. It is World Championship, so it is a mixed format. No mm. blitz this time, Brendan. It is going to be booster draft with the draft set that's coming soon uh the next booster draft set that we will receive so it's not the current format of monarch it will be the new booster draft set coming uh later in the year it is also class constructed but again yes no uh no blitz this time which i am happy about from a preparation standpoint i enjoyed preparing for blitz last year and it you know added something to the format that was a little bit more stale this is gonna be a much fresher format just based on set releases and and when this is happening uh and the schedule that alice's have this year for flesh and blood set releases I uh, just want to also point out as well, we do have a calling happening at the same time. So calling Barcelona will be happening the same weekend. That is going to be a sealed calling into into booster draft on day two, like you've seen from sealed events in, you know, uh, callings previously. So that is going to be interesting with the new set. I think it's the first time we've had a, a sealed calling at a 
pro event though at a tier four event it's previously been all class constructed from memory right uh, fine. I couldn't say I'm across the board. I feel like, I feel like yes, but um. Anyway, I, I've played sealed callings before. I would say, I mean, I played them in Tales of Aria, which is notoriously pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's it, logistically it can make more sense for a huge event like a calling to start with sealed, and you run they run into draft in the later rounds yep. and in, into day two. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fine line, Hayden. That set has to be quite balanced for the sealed format to not feel pretty bad at that level of competition. I know Tales of Aria definitely did. Tales of Aria was absolutely a set where you opened your cards and you immediately pushed the Guardian cards and the Lexic cards to the side in sealed, not draft, mind you. But Runeblade, no, Runeblade was way better in sealed. Was, Pro- I thought Ultim, I thought Ultim was playable. No, Oldham was I, not very playable. So Oldham, I mean, the thing is, is with with old i don't know briar was this is pre pre errata briar briar was definitely much much stronger than old him in sealed but you could you're right you could potentially get an old him deck it was just very unlikely old him uh very very much benefited from being a a draftable hero rather than something you would potentially open up and sealed i think just just go ahead I was just out of Winter's Whale, surely. Yeah, exactly. There were some bomby cars in that set, too. I mean, Winter's Whale. Um, what was the... God, I always forget that card. The one that you can cast as an instant and it reduces based off the amount Awakening. of... God, that freaking card, dude. <laughs> that card is annoying. <laughs> yeah, not bad. I digress. Bad. Yeah. Class constructed. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, I was about to say I played a Monarch Seal Calling, so I'll trade you one for one on that one. But... Uh, so yeah, hopefully the seal calling, you know, the, the new set will be a little more balanced for seal to be super interesting to see. I mean, outside of seal was a, a move on, I think from previous seal formats. So mm-hmm. interested to see where, where this next set goes as well. Um, just in terms of other things, qualification, if you want to punch your ticket and get yourself to Barcelona to play in the world championships, you're going to need to, uh, get yourself an invite via finishing in the top 50 or being in the top 50 at the September cutoff for 90 day XP, lifetime XP, constructed ELO, limited ELO. Uh, you can also get your world championship invite through your national championships it's no longer a pti invite it is a world championships invite which you can get for top four or top eight depending on you know whereabouts you are in the world i believe it's top four or top eight but check your your local nationals to see what the uh the prize distribution is and of course you can redeem a pti to get there and prize pool for the event 300k prize pool for the main event plus 30k for calling there's also battle hardened happening on the sunday as well can't remember seeing what format that was. It's class constructed for the battle hardened. Um, can you still can you still redeem a gifted PTI or purchase a PTI to enter the world championship? In I don't know if they specifically said that, but I mean it does say redeem a PTI. Let me let me just check if there's anything about um, so you can redeem a PTI. Probably. Gifting a PTI. A player may also gift a PTI to another player by emailing mm. protein. So there you go. You can still gift you can still PTIs. buy a PTI if you want. I just want people to know that in case anybody says yeah, like their first rodeo, you can definitely purchase a PTI to enter this event as well if you're not able to make it out to the events. Uh, I think you mean get gifted a PTI, Brendan. But you know. uh, I prefer the P <laughs> word. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, but it is worth reminding that if you do gift, <laughs> gift someone a PTI or whatever shape form, purchase a PTI and the PTI is not redeemed for that world championships uh then it will cease to exist so true you know make sure that that you are going to that event all right brendan well episode 118 last week we talked about the shadow side the dark side of dust or dawn this week on the pod we're going to tell we're going to cover light the light side of dust or dawn of course prism cards we're going to talk about bolting cards all the fun stuff plus we'll take a look at some of the generics and uh other class cards that are there's some specializations in the set remember there's an mm-hmm. ultimate specialization we'll definitely talk about that Prior card of specialization <laughs> 
uh, yeah, but that one's still in the format. So uh, <laughs> it's still in our format, rather. Mm. Uh, Week of Flesh and Blood. I mean, War of the Monarch happened this weekend. I got out to four drafts. Obviously, this is practice for nationals, so I managed to get in four drafts for uh, War of the Monarch. I wasn't sure what I would get to, but again, I'm having fun drafting this format, Brendan. It's um, I just can't get a 3-0 in this format, honestly. I've been drafting. I feel like I think every draft bar one, which I think I won to, has been a 2-1. I just keep 2-1 in all these drafts. So, I don't know. I don't know if that bodes well for consistency or that bodes not well for nationals. I'm not sure. <laughs> Yeah, I got out to one event. Uh, I did end up 3 owing. <laughs> I I did though. I mean, I threw I threw out on Bolton. It was a it was a funky split though. It was three three chains, three prisms, one Bolton, one Levia. Um, but just yeah, I mean that's a wild split, which I guess was consistent with the Monarch of old. I don't think it'll be consistent of Monarch at Nationals. Uh, overall, I actually had more fun than I thought I would, and I thought that. Mm-hmm. I thought, honestly thought I was planning to not really enjoy the experience. This is a set that I've drafted before, right? I, I played this set plenty. Um, but ultimately I had a, I had a pretty good experience. And I, I also ended up drafting my, definitely my least favorite hero in this, in, in the format, which is Bolton. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, it was, it was a good time. I unfortunately got very, very ill after that. Uh, I got some sort of like sinus chest infection, which I'm just now getting over. So only made it out to the one, but yeah, good experience. Got my little, my little prism promo yeah nice i got <laughs> zero promos i do actually want to give some because there was a lot of people on twitter talking about you know there's a lot of three o's on twitter of people showing off <laughs> all their multiple cold foils <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> uh but you know some solace i mean i i didn't manage to three o one of my four drafts this weekend i think this format is look i i'm i'm glad we've returned to monarch in some way shape or form i think it's great that some people have gotten to play this obviously it ties in so well with dust or dawn Monarch is a set that, and I posted this actually to our Discord, Brendan, I don't know if you saw it, there's a bit of a discussion about Limited going on in this format, and I kind of gave my two cents, and I won't dwell on it too much, but this is a format that I think is is quite a difficult one to approach. It feels like there's some uh, really important play decisions. I think the draft is super interesting, to be honest, because of the talent aspect of it, because of, uh, you know, this ability to kind of keep yourself open. Uh, we did do a, a Monarch draft video, which is up on, on the channel now. But I think one of the tough things I find with this format is that there is these really big points of variance in it. And so sometimes the format can feel a little bit uh, unenjoyable, I think, when, when you're playing it. But I think overall, like it's been a, a good set to to come back to. Like if you're going to come back to any limited set that we've had previously, I, I think this is for draft purposes, specifically for draft purposes. I think this is the one like you're not going back to Arcane Rising, right? I don't think you want to go back to Tales of Aria necessarily. I think returning to this four hero draft format has been um, has been interesting. And of course, it's going to be the Nationals draft format. And we're going to be drafting first edition at Nationals, which is also very cool. Uh, announcement that Alice just made the other day. Well, that's been to mixed reviews, I would say. Oh, man, that's so funny. Yeah, first edition, the whole, the whole Monarch first edition limited like uh, era of flesh and blood was a funny little funny little thing that happened i definitely yeah, have yeah. quite a, if you're looking to buy first edition i have plenty <laughs> hit me up um anyway hey now i want to ask you some questions about the monarch format as you you know post weekend and just some of your mm-hmm. your really high level thoughts um you know trying to get some heuristics here what do you think is the what do you think is the the most powerful hero fundamentally in in the draft like if if it was an even split across all and we had sort of a, a median power level in the cards maybe no bombs or maybe one bomb in each uh in sort of each class what what would be your pick what do you think is the strongest and then inversely what do you think is the weakest yeah i think it's a great question i might just kind of because i think it's all all heroes kind of play into this in some way shape mm-hmm. or form so i think prism has the lowest floor i think that just kind of is is true like you know you have good numbers on your heralds you have cards that block for three you have this kind of ability to take 
games into the end game with just one card in your soul. Um, so I think Prism has like the lowest floor. I think though, obviously, you know, it does get punished by the amount of poppers. It does get punished by, I think, multiple people wanting to go into that that hero a little mm. bit um it's not quite fire-esque in terms of you know how many people it can support but you know it is kind of the more of the fire of the set if you're looking in terms of support for players at the table it can support three players i think i think i think levia has the highest ceiling uh, and yeah. i think it's close between it's the shadow heroes i think it's levia or chain that have the highest ceiling and the reason i say it's levia i think is because you again you have really good numbers similar to you, you what you have in prism but you also have kind of some of these pretty degenerate things that you can do uh you can like cycle cards like how from beyond for instance you have um ways to combine really big numbers in one turn you have this equipment that allows you to kind of like pop off in the form of who's you have cards like endless more like a, a two card nine is, is crazy right so i do think livia is kind of up there but you know if you're one of two livia drafters it starts to get you know tougher if you want a three livia drafters forget about it like i don't want mm. to that's you know there was three livia drafters at one of my pods in the weekend and all my opponents all the all the players were like oh, i don't think any of us have more than 10 six attacks in our deck which is just not where you want to be it's just gonna make your, your life so difficult that 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 Livia is the hardest hero to draft mm. i think as well but has the highest ceiling and then i think bolton is the most consistent like i talked about variants before all these heroes have these like kind of inbuilt aspect of variance into their their hero and the card design bolton has the least amount of that but it has the weakest mechanic i think it has the lowest ceiling i think overall like it can it can you can have some crazy turns of bolton don't get me wrong via the vanguard <laughs> you know a gallantry gold these two cards are really really great and you have that's some really it, good majestics though, yeah. cards like lumina but i think overall yeah that's it that's a bit tougher and chain chains the hero i like the least mm. because i think it has the most variance involved with it and it's not because of just like whether you how you banish it's actually about how you draw as well so you kind of get it double time it's not about the fatigue aspect i don't i like that aspect this ability to potentially fatigue or not fatigue it's this kind of idea of where you draw your blood deck cards where you draw your reds and where you don't so you kind of get hit with like double or triple sort of variance aspects so yeah it's interesting for me that's kind of my take on the four heroes i think you know when it comes to the most powerful it probably is levia or chain um but all the viral chain but i think it, it it's um it's pretty close yeah um I, I agree with you the more i play against shadow heroes or you know look to play shadow the more i think that half and beyond is an underrated card <laughs> consistently when oh, I'm playing, insane. yeah consistently when i'm playing against levia or chain i'm just like wow if my opponent banishes a, a freaking half and beyond here like i'm fucked <laughs> like, that, that card is so good because you just effectively kind of draw it um and the pump power and the non-tech action clause as well going into chain is just so freaking powerful um yeah i think with bolton bolton is kind of consistently cheeks across most of his cards but gallantry gold turning a blue into seven and of course viva vanguard i mean that i mean that the name of that card is basically a meme because it gets mentioned so often but it really just <laughs> is that busted um but if you look at the rest of bolton's cards you're like mm, okay zero for three and then my opponent can just like not block it great and i'm stuck the thing is with bolton i feel like you can sometimes you can get into the trap of potentially like ip penalizing yourself like on turns where you're like mm -hmm. oh i'm gonna i'm gonna banish or you know i'm gonna take something out of soul get go again and i'm gonna do this attack your punish is like no blocks and they hit you with some banger four card five card yeah. hand um, they just up up upcycle you on the on the trade yeah say one of the best bolton cards it's uh, red adrenaline rush that's one of the best mm -hmm. bolts i mean that card's just really good in the set but i think it's one of the best cards if you're like ranking cards in bolton and that kind of says something about the class card a little bit. yeah well tell me talk to me more about this sort of prism this prism dynamic that's happening do, do you think that people are moving into it very early and that's going to be a consistently contested contested hero in in pods of uh, of monarch my experience is yes but i think yeah. it's going to depend on your local meta probably and um you know what people sort of i think people have a predisposition to avoid shadow 
Mm. I think if they're, especially if there's, like, that's just, I'm not saying everyone's doing that, but there's going to be at least some amount of people. Like, I don't think people are avoiding light, right? So, that's kind of why I think you're going to get a little bit of a skew towards light, whereas you're going to have at least some people avoiding shadow because, yes, it's harder to play. It's harder to draft. You can just kind of get into a position where you you don't have the right deck set up from the draft. It's a lot harder to do that in light because you have more cards to block three at the end of the day. You have less ways to just kill yourself. Um, so, I think you're going to have that. I don't necessarily, you know, at, at the high-level tables at, a, at an event... I think you can have people who, you know, like identify Levy as underdrafted, for instance, and they're going to prefer that. So you might actually have really even splits. Like I would say about half my drafts have been two, 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 two splits. Mm. And then the others have, you know, they've had a, a one, usually it's one person on a hero and then the rest are split. And it's usually three prism. A couple of times it's been three Leviah. I don't think I've had three chain that those decks, three chain decks are also terrible. But <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I had I had one more question here. I was right at the tip. Oh, how like how many cards usually? So Monarch is a historically low defense set. How many cards do you find yourself playing um, in your standard deck? Do you usually go for that thirty, or do you sort of side up to potentially fatigue some of the shadow heroes? And then just a little sub question on that is how how sort of frequent is the fatigue against a shadow hero like Levia or like Chain? I think from the light side into Chain, it's the fatigue plan is a plan it's a vibe plan it really is going to depend on how like if i know there's three chain at the table mm. and i'm you know i've got a really good bolton deck with a bunch of three blocks i'm probably just going to fatigue my opponent to be honest because i know that they're they're going to be struggling to play more than 30 cards or 32 33 cards because they didn't get them and they're not going to be quality cards flip side if there's two chain or even one chain at the table i'm i'm really going to think twice about how i'm going to win this game um and fatigue probably isn't going to be my my plan a so i think you know it really depends i think levi is a lot harder to fatigue especially if there are yeah. one or two levi they've got they've got all the tools they need you know they're going to have the ability to have these big pop-off turns with their hooves um yes they do have some cards that don't block but if you're on the fatigue plan that yeah. you know like swing smash a big tree you're getting punished by the fact that they're you know they have these cards that don't block but they're higher power level on the offense so um i think you know you're hard pressed to and patient Leviah players, players who have played it before, will will pitch the deck. They will stack. They will set up for multiple big turns on the second cycle using dread screamers, using hooves, using um, you know just just good powerful attacks. Cards like how unworldly bellows is a great card in this format. So yeah, I don't I don't know if that's kind of the default, and mm. I don't think it happens that often. But it definitely happens more often with chain, do you especially find, inexperienced chains. Do you find yourself playing more playable cards in your deck rather than less? Like, do you find yourself consistently yes, going for the thirty the thirty card deck, or going if you have like cards that are on that medium power level that are playable? Are you playing Are you playing more cards? Yeah, I forgot the second part, the first part of your question. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's, 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 uh, I consistently ask too many questions in one sentence. <laughs> Yeah, he's been, he's had feedback. Um, no, I, I mean sometimes I would say that I'm not pressed to make sure I only have thirty cards in my deck, but I'm not going to play extra cards if they're bad cards. You know, like block twos and stuff just for the sake of it. Uh, I think in chain, you know, if like I am worried about fatigue, I'm going to play all of my best cards, all of my cards that are going to help me. But I'm not going to start putting you know yellow frontline scouts in my deck that if I draw them, I'm just going to be annoyed that I didn't draw one of the power cards I just banished mm. off my shackle, for instance. So. It, you know, but I, I yesterday I think on the on Sunday I played against the for, for the three O I was on a one of two Bolton against what the one chain at the table and I was like oh, how many cards do you have in deck he's like thirty seven and they were all gas you know hmm. thirty seven gas cards because the only chain at the table so um, you know I, I think I'm not often trying to play more than thirty but sometimes naturally it's just like well I have thirty two good cards in my deck here I'm just going to play them. 
Uh, can I tell a funny story from my two O man or you know Please. my two O going to three O? So I'm playing Bolton, Bolton, Bolton Cheeks. This is this is a nickname for me. I have two impenetrable beliefs: one red, one yellow. I saw them both into my deck. I'm against you know one of three chains to be honest. Just two O, but this chains deck is it's the chain deck. The other decks were really really bad. So I'm playing against this player. We get to shackle two. I draw double impenetrable belief. I was like, God damn it because the difference between getting a f- two four blocks or, or two two blocks is i mean that's game winning game losing so double shackle I'm like i'm so unlucky brr, 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 brr. plays sonata arcanics and i was like hmm. read that card <laughs> sonata arcanics do, 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 do broken stuff majestic card Sh- uh banish banish sonata arcanics there's the third clause for the impenetrable belief i get two four blocks on that turn mm, easy money uh, that uh, too well. I was worried it wasn't going to be a great story. That is a great story. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you were worried it was going to be a great story? No, 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 I wasn't. I was never. I always had faith. I always had faith. <laughs> um, you wounded let's, me. Uh, let's. I think we've talked a bit about Monarch. We want to talk about Dust of Dawn. Let's flick through some news items quickly. Get to uh, a great Commander Cookout question, and then let's uh, talk some Dust of Dawn light and generic. So Dust of Dawn is out this Friday. Go and pick up your your, your cases, your boxes. Open your product. Get your singles. Play some Monarch this weekend if you're going to go to any constructed Blitz events, whatever it might be. Speaking of Blitz, big changes to Blitz, Brendan. If you you know if you haven't seen this already, Blitz is changing for a limited time only for Skirmish Season Seven only. So this is a bit of a test that LSS wants to run for Skirmish Season Seven, which is going to involve you having uh, an extra slot. You know, so you can have 52 slots in your deck plus your hero. And uh, you can effectively have sideboard slots now. So you're going to have to present a, a deck of 40 cards uh-huh. plus whatever equipment you and weapons you want to present. But you have a bit of a sideboard. Brand. Wait, how much? Sorry, this is my first time hearing this. I actually did not see this announcement. So, how many sideboard slots do you have? Well, you have you have a, you have a same as you do in class construction, okay. where you have your 80, 80 slots. Yeah, um, you have fifty two slots here. Uh-huh. And so you effectively have 12 sideboard slots, but they need to be made up of, they're your inventory, so they need to be made up of your equipment as well. So you could play just your oh. base for equipment and then play eight sideboard cards. You know, maybe, oh. I, I had you, you haven't seen this because you would have been upset about the fact that people, everyone's going to have two Oasis Respite. In it is, it is some bullshit for sure, but that that <laughs> makes it, you know, this, okay, so that was the most, that okay. So Blitz was actually a pretty good format. I felt, I, I know some people are like, remember around Blitz and I think, you know, frankly, it's a skill issue, if you know the Ian Hazakostis uh, quote from <laughs> World of Warcraft. Anyway, that actually, that makes the format extremely interesting. Um, I, I think that, yeah, Kano might be a little bit worse, but Blitz as a form, because Blitz had this this Hearthstone issue, right, where you would just pair into some matchups and they were terrible, and you would have yep. to potentially hedge your deck. Huh, that, you know, it's very interesting. I'm surprised that they took it out of the world format now that they maybe made it better. Obviously, you said it's a pilot, so they could go back on it. But I, I think that this will be a very welcome change. People have been complaining about that for a long time. And the pushback is, is like, Blitz just fundamentally isn't that format. Because if you add in the sideboard, yeah. it just becomes like fast class constructed or something. Um, yeah. Huh. Well, it's interesting. So this is only happening. This is, a, like I said, it's a test. It's going to be for um, July 29th to August 13th for gym register stores. Um, Blitz will have modified deck construction. So it's to be, in effect, only at Skirmish Season 7 Blitz events. So it's it's interesting. I mean, they're obviously going to get some data. People are going to get some feedback from players. Um, you know, if you're going to your local Blitz events, Armor events, this doesn't change that. Although, you know, I'm sure some stores might, uh, you know, ask players if they want to test this before skirmish. So, I mean, and I think it's a good idea. I think, you know, offering players the opportunity to potentially play this kind of format before the skirmish, if stores and everyone agrees to it, might, might be kind of cool. Again, you know, it's not what Alice is saying, but 
I mean, it's it's interesting. And I, the first hero I thought of is like, I might try and play Azalea uh, at my, my one skirmish that I'm thinking about going to because now I can play Redliner hmm. and I can have my Oasis Respites in the sideboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't but, know what I would play now, but that, I mean, I'd probably, I'd probably play Leviathan. still Kano. Maybe. Come on, it's still Kano. You just, you get, Kano gets like an so, extra seven cyborg slots because you right. don't need any extra equipment. Hear me <laughs> out, broski. I'm going to play Leviah and then I'm going to play all this new armor from freaking Dust Till Dawn Zoomer set that just blanks Kano. True. Yeah, yep. let's do yep. that. Let's do that. Um, that's cool. I think that this is a this is a really interesting design decision because now, I mean, Blitz legitimately could cannibalize class constructed a bit. Like people could end up preferring it because it is so similar. I think it it really occupied its own space. I mean, I've heard that in Japan or something. Some, I mean, somebody said this at a cool game store. It doesn't mean it's true that they prefer Blitz over class constructed. But yeah, I mean. I don't know. I'm excited. That that's a cool change. That's a cool change. I don't know if it would be for the for the better, but a lot of people have been doing the what ifs of Blitz if it had sideboards for a long time. Yeah, and I, I like that LSS have like made this really clear that it's a test. They want to find out. They're saying, you know, we don't have all the answers. We, you know, we're not necessarily testing this and think it's better, but we think it's an interesting change. We've heard feedback from the community about Blitz and we we want to trial it. So yeah, Skirmish Season 7 will have modified Blitz constructed with your 52 card deck. Uh, which is your inventory plus, you know, what you want to do. Uh, Brendan, we are almost at 6,000 subscribers on uh, on YouTube. If you want to get out there and help some brothers out, give us a, a sub, throw a like on the video. We are, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music or Podbean or your favorite podcast platform, we are also on YouTube. There is a video version of this. You can go and throw us a sub on YouTube, check out some of our videos, our deck techs, et cetera, and maybe even a, a little cheeky like on this episode. Um there again monarch draft video is up if you want some more information about monarch draft maybe you're international still need a bit of a crash course that is up there I'm gonna throw to brendan fitness challenge i know you've been a little bit unwell this week but i know you're still cracking on with the the prodigy brody spur like you're doing the fitness challenge yeah so yeah if you want to get involved check out the hashtag fab fitness challenge on twitter or you can join our patreon uh discord we have a channel dedicated to that which is actually pretty active i have been legendarily sick the past few days so i did take a couple days off but uh yeah like i was telling i don't know if i was telling you hayden or someone else but you get that one illness like every couple couple years that just really kicks your ass and that was that was this one for me so hopefully actually tomorrow i think i'll be better this is the first day i can actually breathe through my nose you should have heard i recorded the snapshot on sunday oh man it sounded like shit (laughs) it was bad i uh i've been enjoying the fitness challenge i of course in classic Hayden fashion. Brennan might be sick. I've hurt myself. That's a that's a classic Haydenism. I was playing flag football on Monday, Brennan. You know, <laughs> one of your classic. Sort of ancestral you were just sports. talking about that. You're talking all the game. You're like a big flag football, f- football chat. You know, running down the field. What yeah, happened? I immediately. Oh, uh, I it was cold. It's cold here. It's middle of winter. I subbed back on onto the field and immediately tried to make a bolting run. I, in my defense. Turned, caught the ball, took a nice uh, reception, immediately tried to turn and make a run for a touchdown and um, tweaked my quad. So that was mm, fun. That's because you're almost the, you're the big 3-0. You can't be I doing know. that anymore. I know. Body, mine's trying to do one thing. Body ain't complying. <laughs> so, All right, Brendan. <laughs> Speaking of uh, getting old and grilling, mm. Mine Cookout time. We got a great question this week. If you want to get your questions of the Commander Cookout, you can drop them on the YouTube comments below. You can DM us on Twitter. You can email us arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. You can also drop them in the Arsenal Pass Discord if you're on Patreon. This question comes from Ryan in Australia who says, Hi guys, huge. <laughs> Sorry, it said Ryan from Oz. So I was like, maybe I should read this in an Australian accent. Just. <laughs> 
Please don't. No, no. Uh, (laughs) Not offensive people. (laughs) Ryan says, hi, guys. Huge fan of the pod. I really enjoy listening to your pods while at work. My question is a personal one, and I'm sure I'm not the only one in my position right now. I'm attending Australian Nationals in August. I'm feeling really lost and feeling a lack of confidence going forward as I was in Ultim main. With Mm. Ultim hitting Living Legend, a huge new set coming out, and only five weeks between the new set and Nationals, I'm really unsure on how to pick a hero and stick to them. Do you guys have any tips on how I can move forward? Pick a hero in a short time and prepare for an unknown meta we'll be facing. Um, is that a good idea? Thanks a lot, guys. Keep doing what you're doing. Mm, yep. I mean, this is this is the this is the living legend hero centric design question. But in yep. the context of a competitive event, for what it's worth, I'll say that generally, uh, it's not true. Of course, all across the board, we don't really start prepping prepping until like I don't know five weeks, a month before, right? I mean, you still play a little bit, but I feel like it doesn't get hardcore. Start to lock in a hero, have real conversations about this is the deck we're gonna play till about a month to you know, maybe five weeks before. For us, yes, but I think it really depends on and you know your kind of situation and what kind of player you are. And I think from Ryan's standpoint, right, like he is an ultimate player. You know, that's that's the hero he's been playing. It's the hero he knows uh, inside and out. So you're at this kind of like crossroads right like where do i where do i go now that's kind of the question ryan's asking himself and a lot of people will be asking themselves this question you know their their hero before ultim might have been chained for instance you know they, they could have two of their heroes living legend now they're in this kind of unprecedented situation maybe it was prism for instance where do you go next and it's a great question it's like so i think there's a couple of ways you can look at this right so in ryan's standpoint you could go okay I'm familiar with Guardian. I could mm. go down the Guardian route and just commit myself to, to Bravo, as Brendan will love to hear. Uh, commit yourself to Bravo, learn you know the ins and outs of Bravo, transla- translating your skills from Ultim and like double down on Guardian, right? And just say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this Guardian deck into a position that I think is going to just, it's gonna fit my play style and it's going to fit what I wanna do. The other kind of road you could go down is you could find a hero that you really enjoy you know maybe there's one that you you've played a little bit of outside of ultim and you just dedicate your time to that and get that deck ready for nationals i think the the other one and this is one that uh, a lot of people will go down is they will evaluate the format we've got birmingham coming in a couple of weeks which is going to give us the first kind of read well, i think it's next weekend it's going to give us the the read of the early format uh, plus there's also a battle hunt uh give us a, a read of the format and give you a little bit of understanding of what the meta could look like and then you immediately try and dissect what that looks like and pick a deck that's going to be strong in that meta i mean yeah basically and then you double down on that deck you give yourself the three to four weeks and you just learn the ins and outs of that deck you get your sideboarding plans set up the other thing you can do is you could wait a little bit longer you could dabble a little bit play across a few heroes find what you like and then wait till you get closer to the time and try and work out just what is the best position deck what is the most powerful kind of hero deck for this particular meta for the current mm-hmm. sort of season what's being developed you know kind of at these events we're seeing globally and pick up one of those heroes uh, and 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 run with it you know it's basically just saying oh well i'll pick up one of the top three decks that kind of emerge over the next couple of weeks and um, i'm gonna be a little bit later to the party but i'm gonna have potentially a more powerful deck a more refined list than maybe you know picking up kind of just one of my heroes i like and and tweaking those and then the last one brendan i think is just saying well what is the most powerful deck mm. right now probably coming out of the format as the format changes is lexi still you know one of the best decks if not the best deck even with the the band of balls braces and just you know committing to something like lexi and saying well i'm just going to have one of the most powerful decks and i'm going to learn it inside now so there's, there's a lot of different roads you go down i think is if you're in ryan's position and a lot of people will be in this position um but you know it's it's not easy i'm I, like i'm sitting over here myself thinking i have no clue what i'm gonna play at nationals i've Same. kind of like dabbled around played yeah. a little bit with a few things everything is feeling i don't want to play lexi too like that I, yeah I'm i in don't the same position. i would have played old him <laughs> if it was still legal D- regardless of the power level i just think that lexi is boring um 
surprisingly, even though Oldham is kind of the slower deck. <laughs> so I'm also I'm I'm in this position as well. So I think Hayden gave a very good holistic answer. Um, I'll just give you sort of the down dirty what I would do if I was in the same position. So assuming card acquisition was of no factor, I would literally just watch these tournaments Hayden talks about. I would see the top decks, and then I would go to Talishar, play those decks, maybe get a group of players, maybe try to tweak the decks a little bit, not try to reinvent the wheel, pick the two to three most fundamentally powerful ones, you know, take a couple weeks, couple months testing period. You said five weeks, so probably a couple weeks testing period. Figure out which one gels with you. Start working on it, develop your game plans, pick that as a hero. That doesn't solve your issue of, you started with this, with the, this phrase, I am an old him main or was an old him main. That, that, that sort of, I don't know. It, it insinuates that you have a proclivity to that hero in that hero's identity. This process would be completely separate from that, right? This is like you need a deck for the tournament. That's what I would do. As I would look at the tournaments, I would look at the results. I would take those decks to Talishar, test them out, and then you know I would snag the cards right before. Um, in terms of like finding a new hero that d- d- defines you that you enjoy playing, that's a process, man. I don't know how to give. I don't know how the answer to that, but. Uh, yeah, in I five mean, weeks as well. A lot of us, a lot of us are in that position with uh, old him rotating out. We have been before. You know, Chain was a hero that I, I, I enjoyed playing. To be honest, and as it left, you know, I defined something. You know, I if I was going to give you an advice, I can. You know, I can give you advice. If you have to, there's a hero called Kano. If you play, if you play that right, hero, right, right, right. it's we'll playable. On. It's playable, and you will always have respect. People always respect you. And they will never. You will be. You want to be an enigma among your peers. You'll be the the person that plays Kano. Um, no, but no one, no one respects me when I rock up to my locals with Kane every night. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't take it to locals. Everybody's got the everybody's got their their hundred card decks with all their extra spell void in it. Yeah, Kano's not really locals here. <laughs> it's good testing. It's how you learn. That's like the yeah. the, the, the trial by fire. Huh, huh. Full <laughs> thing of spell void, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right, Brendan. Uh, thank you for the question, Ryan. Great question. I wish you best of luck trying to pick out, you know, like Brendan says, it might not be time to find your new hero to dedicate yourself with, but it could just be a process of I'm going to find the deck to play for nationals. Um, but look forward to seeing you at Australian nationals happening in the end of August. Main topic time, Brendan. Let's talk about Dust of Dawn. Let's talk about the light side. Let's talk about the generics. And I think, first of all, we've got to talk about just macro impacts of the set. And of course, this is half for same as same as shadow half for a new hero half for an existing hero so why don't we go existing hero side first and let's talk a little bit about bolton from a top level like just okay first of all bolton's been a little bit of like the butt of jokes you know it's been oh you know bolton bolton's been seen as maybe one of the worst heroes in flesh and blood after azalea got the bump from outsiders you know i guess my first question is is bolton getting the ranger treatment or not uh I don't know. That's actually hard. So it doesn't. So yes. So it is. It actually is. And the reason it is is because <laughs> some of the ranger cards were just like they just are like literally more powerful than some of the other ones. At least they look like that, right? Bolton has that with Soul Flare. Like Soul Flare is like charge this card, get a bonus. Those cards don't exist. That's that's upside. I think that that even if this doesn't translate to is Bolton a top tier hero now, and you know if you count that as a ranger treatment, I think fundamentally the ranger treatment is like they got cards that were just by design more powerful and i think soul flare adds to that a bit you charge these cards you you get a bonus it, it takes away you know what i think the original design of charge was was just you're just you know card disadvantage putting this card in your soul you're getting these tokens and shit like that uh, there's like this there's a lot of debate around bolton you know there's some players saying bolton is the hero that's gained the most from the set it's now it's now tier one tier two hero it's nah. going to be a hero we're going to see impact this format we're seeing other people saying you know it, uh, it got some stuff it got some good stuff it got it got some treatment unfortunately 
they also are saying that, well, they feel, unfortunately, that also Bolton is just a flawed hero. The mechanic, you know, charge is a flawed mechanic and there's not really much you can do for that hero to get it to a tier one, tier two status. It's going to be interesting to see. I think, you know, we're going to, in the next few weeks, get the first opportunity to see who's right on that side. I think I fall, you know, somewhere in the middle to kind of, I do agree that I think charge is a flawed mechanic. I think like Brennan said, Soul Flare helps to fix that mechanic in, in some way, a little bit where you get a bonus so you don't lose the entire value of a card by charging it. You also have some stuff that's a little bit above rate to try and offset that. Uh, but I think we're probably going to see, my my thought is probably going to see Bolton land somewhere around, you know, playable and mm. enjoyable and different to what we've seen, have some really powerful play to it and do, you know, show up in events. But I don't think we're going to see it enter into tier one discussion. I will say that looking at the Bolton cards uh, holistically, they don't get me very excited. It just looks like more mid-range garbage. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Sorry, that's a very that's a very diminishing statement. It's like it's cool design, and everything. I think from like a hyper competitive, you know, like I'm trying to pick a deck to take to yeah. you know like a big tournament. I don't look at Bolton; it doesn't get my juices flowing. There's some majestics for sure, where it's like, oh, this is actually quite a bit of value. But the rest of it just looks like what like Bolton mid range does not compete. I think in in current flesh and blood, I think Bolton, you know, fucking alley oop draw my Laminas on the same turn can can kill some people. Mm. But outside of that, I don't see Bolton competing with like Lexi and stuff just on like a generic power level and I, uh, it it could happen I'm, I'm not the best Bolton evaluator and the I, yeah, I'm not I'm not okay you go, go listen to Josh Law if you want that but if cursory glance over the cards initial impressions is not this doesn't look like the next Lexi to me Hayden your thoughts no no I, I agree and I think the I think the challenge for Bolton if we, let's talk about strategies a little bit so Previously, we've seen kind of two really divergent strategies and then kind of a hybrid strategy. So there's been this like, you know, Centauri Saber, Lumineer Ascension combo deck, right? Infamously, uh, you know, Brendan has never lost to it as well. Uh, <laughs> and then there's also this other side, which, you know, was a powerful combo deck. Like we, we saw it get play. It was just, you know, had fragility to it and it could get disrupted by things like Command and Conquer or disruption in general. And that's kind of been the problem with that deck. On the flip side, you have Raiden, right? Which I friggin' love Raiden. I think Raiden is one of the coolest weapons that's ever been printed in Flesh and Blood. It's such a cool, unique idea. Um, but I think, you know, that is that deck was more mid-rangey, more maybe aggressive and struggled from this card disadvantage thing that we just talked about with with charging. So those are the kind of the two main strategies we've seen in the past. We've seen some other strategies, but then we've also seen this like hybrid strategy where some people will play, you know, Raiden, some matchups, combo, Bolton and other matchups. Mm -hmm. When it comes to each of those, I think the combo Bolton side, yeah, you, you do get a few cards, right? Obviously, we've got Spirit of um, Erina in like the last set in, that was in, sorry, it was in Dynasty, right? That we got that. Um, I, I, yeah, uh, I erased that set from my Dynasty. memory. <laughs> it was in Dynasty. And then, you know, and there's some cards that would, would fit into into the deck, I think. And then on the flip side of that, when you look at Raiden, I think Raiden's gotten more. I think, you know, that looks like a more interesting option now. You've got cards that charge, that have more value to them. You've got some of these, you know, these more uh, attack reactions that could potentially go into the deck. You've got some more pumps that allow you to kind of play out your game plan that have some really powerful abilities you've obviously got the soul flare cards that we just talked about um you do have a new weapon as well in, in beaming blade we can talk about the cards in a second but yeah i think the raiden plan overall has gained the most and i think that's where we're going to see people start to look at at least to start with and it'll be interesting to see if people sort of revert back to playing more combo or with a hybrid kind of emerges or maybe even a different weapon entirely 
Yeah, when you said playing more combo, like, I don't know, do any of these cards actually help facilitate? The combo is just very, very narrow, right? Like, just, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> you can't really add much to it unless being able to tutor it faster and get to it faster and more consistently. Honestly, that's what I don't like about it is you kind of just have to draw it. Um, but you're right. It, it is mid-range Bolton that seems to have gotten the most. And you, we talked, we said it, the Ranger treatment, I do think that Bolton got it. Bolton got objectively just like, better cards to charge right you you charge things you get a bonus um and that didn't exist before i just yeah i don't know it doesn't stand it's out enough yeah <laughs> i mean it just I, I i just don't even know if like a mid-range deck like that is even can it even be good against like a lexi like a briar like some of these just premier fast decks and uh, i don't know yeah well let's talk about some cards because there's obviously some cards that have come this way let's start with the equipment because i think the equipment are actually the most interesting so soulbound resolve is the light warrior equipment chest that we've got in um it defends for two has temper says when this defends you may charge your hero soul the first time you'd be dealt damage each turn if you've charged this turn prevent one so the way i look at this card right is you have this defensive card that can help you trigger charge and we know there's mm-hmm. some cards that have um defensive soul flare and defensive charge mechanics but so effectively i guess you're getting you get to block with this you effectively defend three and you get to charge a card so you've kind of you know gotten the defense value of the card by using your equipment um the second time obviously it's only been defending for two is that good i don't know people are pretty unexcited about this card and i can see yeah. why but it does give you ways to get again a little bit more value from each card and i think that's kind of what you're looking for so i, I think this card is potentially you know it's going to be it's going to be playable obviously how good it is i think it's you know it doesn't necessarily have a very high ceiling and i think that's hard with the, the sort of things like equipment yeah i just think about cards that benefit from having charged cards having more charged cards more charged cards than you usually would right more than a standard bolton turn or like via the vanguard would put into your your soul so things like the i think it's beacon of victory the tutor card mm-hmm. that gets the bonus and um things like the zero for seven i forget i drafted it the other day but i forget the name you know i'm talking about exactly fantasy cards so like are you going to be getting a lot of value off of being able to do that while defending um i don't know i i look at this card when i first look at this card i was like i was super underwhelmed because it just it doesn't you know starts in play stays in play it just doesn't have that sort of value that some of the premier pieces of equipment that do that um that really stand out to us have right it's it's just kind of a standard temper equipment and the one damage you are paying a, par- a card for it. So maybe you get five value out of this. I, I don't even know how to put a quantitative value on this card. Like, is it is it five? Yeah. Or I-, I think it's less. I'm not sure, but I actually think, you know, where this has some value, my first thought was actually in, in the combo deck. Because, you know, yeah, now I, the combo def- deck and now I have to defend, set up my combo and charge at the same time. So, um, I mean, we can we can move on, I think. The, the, let's talk about the warrior equipment arms. It's not light. So, we are diverging a little bit from the light cards here. But Iron Song um, versus is maybe one of the best cards in the set, I think. This is the warrior equipment arms. Again, has temper, defense for two. And says once per turn action, uh, one resource, your next sword attack this turn gets. When this hits a hero, create a courage token. Go again. Now, courage tokens are another thing that bolton has gotten that i think really help you gain value and can give you this ability to not have to use your um your hero you know not use extra cards basically to get to your hero ability to give things go again you know you can have this courage token if you haven't seen courage token uh this is the one that says uh, when you play an attack action card or to activate a weapon attack destroy it and the attack gets plus one so you're getting the, incremental value does it keep these, the plus I- one so in like a lumia combo would the sword keep that plus one and you attack with it the second time no, it's it's the it's um the attack itself gets plus one, okay, not the okay. not the weapon or the card, just the the attack, the yeah, the resolution of the attack. So, courage token, I think it's interesting though, and I think that helps you 
gain value. I mean, this card is super interesting in Dorinthia in particular as well. But I mean, when it comes to Bolton, I also think this is, this is a card that Bolton wants. You know, it, it gives you it gives you this like threat of activation when they decide not to block, right? You're like, oh, here's my two card hand. And they're like, well, I won't block so that you can't then use your ability. It's like, okay, well, here's my floating resource to Iron Song versus and get a courage token, which gives me value for next turn. Like turning one resource into one damage and one damage that can help you trigger your hero ability. That is, that is pretty good. Plus, of course, it does have, you know, temper as well. Mm. What are your thoughts on Bastion of Unity, the war equipment, um, shield, snuff hand? Uh, defense for one says Unity when this defense t- together with a card from hand, this gets plus one defense till end of turn. Oh, it's temper. What the fuck? Dude, they snuck mm. that in there. I didn't see that. Yeah, I was temper. hoping we, I wasn't going to bother talking about that card. I don't know. I, I don't. No, I didn't see the temper when I first me, read it. I did not see the temper when I first read that. It, it's temper, but they just put it at the end and they didn't put the explanation. So yeah. I, I missed it. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> going to get a lot of value out of this. Yeah, it doesn't um, look great. It does not look great. Let's, uh, while we're at Warrior though, and not, not on light, let's just have a quick chat about Chorus of Iron Song because this card is very good, I think. This is the Majest- Majestic uh, Yellow, cost one. It's a Warrior attack reaction, so not light again. There's a Dorinthia specialization. Mm. And it says, until end of turn, Target Dawnblade gets plus one attack and damage this wood deal can't be prevented. It also has Unity. Unity is such a cool mechanic. I'm also, I'm looking for cards with Unity in the set because this Unity creates a Courage token. Again, Courage tokens are great. So when this defends with another card, it effectively is, is four defensive value at, at yellow. Like that card is good, I think. Um, plus it also does have, you know, this kind of relevant-ish text on offense. I don't know how good this card mm. is going to be, but it's a card that I actually think is, is quite cool. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, so primarily for, for the Unity and defensive value. Is is why you're looking at this card because I was looking at the the sort of preface text and I was like, it didn't the po- it didn't seem that powerful. Yeah, plus one damage can be prevented, but plus um, one for I mean, one in an entire card. Well, it's plus one for the turn, so you can turn it into on big turns, obviously more than just plus plus one, uh, but it does cost you one. You know, like if you compare it to something like. Um, the dominate card, which is zero for plus one for the turn and dominate, this obviously costs one. So. You know, this and it doesn't give dominate, it gives damage can't be prevented. Damage can't be prevented. Probably not as good. Yeah. Um, interesting. So yeah, with the courage and the unity, I guess I guess you just kind of free roll that that you defend with another card. So it, it's obviously contextual on what you're defending, but it does seem good. I agree with you. It does seem good. Good against decks like Guardian and, and decks that want to go tall, of course. You get a zero for four at yellow that gives you, you know, an offensive point of value, which is yeah. I think better than an extra one defensive point I of value. I wonder how many of these yellow cards I want to be playing in my Dorentia deck. Yes, that is very true. Yes. <laughs> That's very true. Um let's move back up to some light. You know, we've already gotten off Bolton and started talking about Dorentia. Let's go back to talk about Bolton and some of these light cards. I mean Beaming Blade, just quickly, your take on this. I mean, I've heard people sort of say that they're not, you know, Bolton players say they're not particularly interested in this card. This is the new light warrior weapon, two-hander at rare, and it's uh, once per turn action, two resources attack, has zero attack value, but if a yellow card is being put into your hero, soulless turn, it gets plus five. Um, no, I, I, this is the card I've been looking at the entire time we've been talking about Bolton. Interesting. It's just, it's, it's just hard to evaluate, I think. Like, um... Well, it gives you plus what effectively so a, a two resource weapon is generally worth about four right like this yeah. compares to something like romping club or the the um the club that came in the jewel decks which is just a blank two resource four attack um this is for, worth five if you charge so it's effectively giving again they're trying to give alice is trying to give value to the cards you charge so effectively charging a card gets you about an extra plus one value on your on your weapon yeah it's, two to plus one value. so it's it's two card five, but obviously it's context, right? Um, two mm-hmm. card five is bad, 
but in context where you play the one cost, like maybe you play the take flight, you charge. So you're playing take flight for four, potentially Bolton's ability. Let's say Bolton's ability is not true. You're not getting plus one. So you have four plus five, which is nine. Three Let's card say three nine. card nine. That's good. That's fine, right? And you have the card and soul. Exactly. So it's serviceable. Plus you have Bolton's ability, which is triggering. So let's say, let's say high, a high end of that three card 11. That's pretty reasonable for Bolton. Um, and I think that's a, that's a totally like, that's not a crazy turn, right? That could happen pretty consistently. I mean, you have the, it's a red type fight, obviously mm-hmm. not the other colors. So it, it doesn't I've got seem- a problem there, Brennan. Yes, 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 yes. You can only have three red take flight in your deck. I know, I know, I know. That's what I was saying. It's like, we've got to think about some derivative cards can help facilitate this. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think you have to be more of a Bolton specialist to truly evaluate this card, truly what it what it takes to be able to play the Beaming Blade. Be, it has to be a yellow card. Keep in mind, you have to have the yellow card put into your soul, mm-hmm. which is a whole other deck building constraint, which they've definitely... They've honed in on and most of these cards are yellow. I yeah. think you're playing very little blues now in your in your Raiden deck or your so, Beaming Blade deck. So I- here's here's the problem, Aiden, is because let's we just talked about we just talked about three card eleven red take flight into Beaming Blade. That is mm-hmm. a blue card. <laughs> you are pitching a blue card. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's a problem. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting card to me because it has it has the ability to come in for five and it kind of gives value to cards you're charging. And I think if I'm someone, you know, I've not really played much Bolton before, but if I'm looking to build Bolton from a, a fresh standpoint, a fresh mindset, the thing I'm looking at is how do I get value out of the cards I'm charging? How do I mitigate the fact that I'm losing about three worth of value when I charge a card? How, how do I, you know, it's a card that I can't defend with for three. It's a card that I can't attack with. How can I, you know, I'm going to get some value out of it at some point to give go again. And maybe that's worth, it's hard to put a value on that, but I want to mitigate the loss of value of putting that card into soul. And I mean, zero for five weapon, that, that is one way to do it. It's just whether, you know, there's enough consistent ways to make it worthwhile or, or do the thing you need to do. So it's interesting. Why don't we talk about, um, you know, finish up on, on Bolton and talk about some of the these Bannerets. I mean, the Bannerets are super interesting. You have the rare cycle of Bannerets and then you have the um, the Majestic cycle. The Bannerets are all yellow. Uh, I think the most interesting one for me, again, is this is this Courage token one. It's a one for four yellow. It's called Banneret of Courage. Majestic, Defense for three, Light Warrior, Attack Action. It has Soul Flare. When this is charged to your hero, Soul, create a Courage token. I really like Courage tokens. I think they're the most one of the most powerful things that Warrior is doing uh, in this set now. And, you know, there's also, so Soul Flare, same mechanic. There's the one for fours at yellow for uh, Gallantry, which is a Quicken token. Also very good, I think. Mm-hmm. The Spellbane Aegis is a little bit more niche. And then there's the rare ones, which are zero for three. So one less power, but one less cost. There's one defense to a card. There's one life and one resource. I think those ones are a lot less exciting, although the one resource one is maybe the best of those. Banner of Gallantry seems good if you think about it in the context yep, I, of Flick. The thing we just talked about. Sorry, did you mention? I was just thinking about flick flack value. Um, flick flack value. I was just not flick flack. I was just thinking um, about sorry, um, flock of the Featherwalkers. Flock of the Feather Walkers. Yes, yeah. So I was just flick thinking flack. about the value for beaming blade. You know, we just yeah. talked about beaming blade, and yeah. I don't know. Just one for four is on rate with a block three, and it's. I mean, this is on. This is a good rate for creating a quicken token as well. I mean, if you're using it via the soul flare, this. I don't know. Banner of Gallantries is the most interesting to me. The only thing is, like, maybe it's a bit of a nonbo with Bolton's ability, which is already giving you go again um, by banishing a card from Soul. But I think I want to be using not my a Soul. It's definitely not a nonbo. No, no, it's definitely not. But a it's non-bow. it's not it's not a straight like synergy. Yeah. I think one of the things I want to be using my Soul for is playing cards like Celestial Cataclysm. So if I can get this is kind of my view on Bolton though is like if I can get these cards some value out of my charge cards and then I just get to turn that into something like 
celestial cataclysm that's a like and have these kind of like just over the top powerful turns that are like massively above rate and i'm able to play around on rate on other turns like that's exciting to me as potentially looking at something like bolton what do you think about banneret of vigor is that more or less powerful than the quicken token getting a resource i think it's less i think one resource is less although because you're playing yellows you know that's a way obviously to be able to trigger your beaming blade maybe <laughs> um i think you know but then again also it gives you that maybe you come in you go uh i play my my engulfing light or whatever i charge my banner of vigor and i've got my iron song versus and now i have this resource that if they don't block it i'm also getting an extra point of value with a a, a courage token for instance so you know, I think I think Banneret Vig is good. I think you're going to play some number of Bannerets. Look, I, I actually, I'm I'm going to play some games with Bolton. I'm a little bit excited about some of the ways you can look at it. I think there's some different ways to look at it. I want to quickly talk about V for Valor. This is a card that I really like the look of. It's a light warrior action aura, which I think is something very mm-hmm. different. It costs zero and um, it defends for two and you can attack reaction, use it. So you destroy it. Um, you charge your hero's soul. Uh, sorry, destroy this, charge your hero's soul and then target attack is plus three. So... You put a card from your hand in and then you get plus three. So this is an onboard attack reaction basically that you can hold across for future turns, which I really like the idea of. Yeah, that card looks... I'm just thinking about the I don't know how good it is, but it's cool. Thinking about the combo as well. Like if you have... I don't think you have the additional... Destroy this... I don't think you can have the additional... Do if you have energy potion? Uh, Yeah, but do you have the extra card to charge into soul? And then... Oh, right. So but you don't have to... You can use... So you can start with this in play and then you can just attack with any attack and then you can charge via this so this actually works well in the combo i think hmm. it's yeah. one that it's it gives you potentially yeah the need for well not one less card but it can, means that you can use a different card for your attack than just a straight up charge card mm-hmm. what do you think about lumina lance um, oh sorry I, quickly sorry sorry mm-hmm. sorry quickly v, v Vela is not target attack action it's just target attack so actually yeah. you can just use this as part of the combo and you don't have to yeah that's quite cool yeah. Interesting. Well, at least because of Spirit of Aaron and being able to play it instant speed. So that's quite interesting. All right. Lumina Lance. Light attack reaction. Zero cost. Yellow pitch. Blocks for three. Additional costs to play this. Banish up to three cards from your hero's soul. Choose that many modes. Target light attack gets plus two attack. Target light attack gets witness hits draw a card. And target light attack gets witness hits draw a card. There was a bit of confusion, I think, when this initially came out. If you could choose the same mode three times, I believe you cannot. Is that correct? Cannot. You, you can't, right? Yes, you have to pick one. Obviously not a warrior light, but uh, just a light attack reaction. Do you have any thoughts about this card specifically? I mean, it looks like it's a card made for Bolton instead of Prism. Yeah, I think so. Well, okay, if you're getting value out of your charge cards, like we talked about before, and you're making the, the value of putting a charge card into soul like really low, you know, you're only losing that like, one or two max points of damage each time you, you charge, you know, you can actually turn this card into... You know, like a maybe if you're then assessing a soul card, it's like worth half a card. You can turn this into like two and a half cards, and it gives you plus two, gives you a hit draw and go again. Like that might be good, but I mean, I'm not excited about this card, <laughs> even though it's quite it's like the ability of like flexibility of a card like this is always interesting to me. But I don't think this card's particularly exciting. I want to ask you about Blessing of Salvation. Um, it's a light action, uh, Red pitch, one cost, two defenses. If a card has been put in your hero's soul this turn, you may play this as though it was an instant. It says gain three life. You pay one, it blocks for two, and it gains you three. This card is just unplayable garbage, right? I think so. But this is like one of the... For an- this card seems so bad. I mean, this one stood out to me because it's, it looks so bad. I mean, because you can never play it for just, you know, you know playing it as a non-attack. Yeah, 
without Gogan, gaining three. And it's conditional gain three, and you pay one for it and have a card that blocks for two in a warrior deck. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's not interesting to me, but I mean, there it's, might be something there. It's interesting to me because it seems so unplayable. Uh, the, the next question I want to ask you is, why do we have cards that are conditional on Shadow and a Seth that's not draftable? Uh, do you think, I don't know, it just seems weird to me, the things like late to rest and stuff like that. Uh, I think they're just introducing cards into the constructive format that you can, you know, there's obviously cards that destroy um, auras and stuff as well. Um, you know, we've seen the ones that, that there's shadow cards that get, you know, plus one or go again, depending on if you have, your opponent has a card in soul. So I think there's interesting ways, the interesting ways to interact with these heroes in the constructive format for each of the heroes. So I think it's interesting. It is thematic, right? This is a battle between light and shadow. Um, the, so you talk about later rest, which is the light attack action. Yeah. Um, I think this is fine. I think the card I'm more interested about because it's not contextual on what your opponent's doing is the um, Searing Ray. So this is a common, it's a one for four red defensive two. And it says if you have a yellow card in your pitch zone, this gets plus two. So it could be a one for six. One for six. That's quite, that's kind of interesting. One for six, it blocks and it gets, two. And it gets plus two and gets plus two. So you can trigger your Bolton Hero ability. So I was looking at this card and I was thinking about Razor Reflexing it. So you have three card nine, I guess three card nine with go again at best. And it's like, I'm jumping through a lot of hoops and that like doesn't seem yeah. fantastic, right? That That's that's my big filter for Bolton is like, okay, we can get close to like the standard math of like an S tier deck, but we have to jump through all of these hoops to do it. It just, why would I do that? I, I just wouldn't. Would well, you have any thoughts about Radiant Force Field? The light uh, instant aura, zero cost, yellow pitch says, if your hero be dealt damage, banish a card from your soul and prevent one of that damage. When there are no cards in your hero's soul, destroy this. I think this is one of the, I think this card is interesting. I do. I got super excited about this until I realized it doesn't say um, illusionist on the the subtype, <laughs> so you can't attack with it. Okay, I think st- I was like, I was like, oh, this card's amazing! Like this card is crazy. I can't believe they printed this, and then I realized that someone points out to me actually it, was, it doesn't say illusionist. I was like, ah. it still is. I st- I think it is still a very very interesting card. I, I really do. Like I, I don't see the immediate use case for it in terms of like what constructed that it's lost into, but this mm-hmm. is like this seems like an atypical thing to be able to do in Flesh and Blood. Yeah, it is interesting. Well, I think on that, that's a good transition into Prism. Let, let's let's talk a little about Prism. This is any. Do you want to talk about United We Stand? Like it's it's a <clears throat> it's a fun card, right? It's a cool card. Introduces this idea that we're going to see PVE and and you know has an interesting sort of ramifications for multiplayer, but. I mean, bro, I didn't even know. read this card. <laughs> so much text on it. You got this. Yeah, get clear your throat. You got a next five minutes and we're reading this card. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about it. If you want to see United We Stand, it's the one of the marquee arts for the set. Obviously, it has uh, mostly all the light heroes, or the, I guess the heroes standing on the light side of the battle. But um, yeah, I mean, go, go and take a look if you want. I don't think it's going to be relevant and constructive. Let's move on. Let's talk about Prism. Uh, we want to make sure we give Prism a fair a fair dink before we finish the pod. I'll tell you what, though. <clears throat> thankfully, you know, we don't have to talk through as many cards because there's a lot of reprints in the light side of the equation when it comes to the set because all all the heralds are reprinted. Um, well, all, all the sorry, all the heroes uh, heralds that were common have been printed as rare, and then you get Herald of Judgment also printed at rare. Um, Along with Triumph, which I think was originally a rare. Yeah, it, it mm. was. Thought, uh, Hayden Hayden Dale's thoughts on reprints of Heralds in Dust Hold On. That's mm, fine. I think it's a supplemental set, right? I mean, obviously, it takes away from some cards that could have been printed, but I think you know this Prism is a Herald Prism. Look, this is my take on Prism, right? We can we can just okay. start from the top before we get to cards. My take on Prism is that they've given us they've given Prism players and Light Illusionist players a hero to replace Prism. 
that is more balanced, <laughs> is more enjoyable play experience for both sides of the table, I think. Well, at least one side of the table, <laughs> your opponent's side of the table. I think it is not as powerful as the old Prism and not even close. I think Prism is playable. I don't think my initial my initial sort of view of what Prism could be is that it's not going to be a powerhouse in this format. Look, I, I am open to being wrong. It's so interesting because auras lead to uh, what could be a really interesting build and archetype. And of course, obviously you have the Heralds there, but you know l- l- the new Luminara Celestial Fury is is not the old Luminaris. Um, yes. So I just think that basically what they've done is, yeah, they've they've given this Light Hero, it is playable, it, it could be good in the future, it could even be good now, but I don't think it's tier one. I think it's a more going to be a more enjoyable play experience, and, and that is my view on Prism, basically. Your hero has to be so fundamentally broken for you to be able to play a game of high-level competitive flesh and blood 32 life starting. Like, that mm-hmm. is a terrible life total uh, coming from someone who plays Kano. Like, Kano does 32 <laughs> damage off the bat. So, um... Anyway, the thing I like the I like the most about Prism actually is this this sort of text, this initial text to consistently to your deck. That's very very cool. Mm-hmm. Like that's what gets yeah. me the most excited. Like that that is a that is a kinetic thing that you're doing with your deck that you cannot do very often with other heroes. It's on very specific cards and it's extremely powerful. Mind you, you're not tutoring for any card in your deck. You're tutoring for figments. Um, but overall, my Initial filter for Prism is to to be good at thirty two life. You need to be doing Kano things. You really do. Mm. You really. really what do. about what about Soul Food? Soul Food hey. is that that hey. garbage card where it's like you can just put all the cards into your soul uh, or something? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why is that good? Why is Soul Food well, good now? Is it your is it you, your starting hand? What what is the something about Soul Food is genuinely terrible? Remind me what it is. Well, if it's in your starting hand, it's good because yeah. you just get to do it for free, right? But it's yeah, it's it's put all. Uh, put your hand including the soul food into your into your soul basically um well i mean you get to go and search up a bunch of figments right so this is whenever a card with heroes and it's put in, and its name is put into your prism soul during an action phase you message stick for a figment so i think that's you know separate triggers i'm pretty sure i'd have to go and look at the release soul notes, food during your action phase yeah you can play soul food during your action phase for sure okay okay not a big soul food guy myself never played the card <laughs> was not playing no, I, I don't think many people have played it but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean i'm gonna go and look that up as we kind of talk through and see if that does work but that is that is interesting if you can you know like soul food and go and get four figments or something um i mean because when figments enter the, the battlefield they obviously have these uh these abilities so you know for instance like figment of protection is create a special shield judgment is um you may turn a, a card in any banished zone face down which you know obviously is i guess more for hurting shadow heroes but ravages is deal one damage so I, I mean these are all relative to the if you haven't seen them already also the art is awesome they're relative to the heroes that they represent the figments um and then of course they didn't then turn into these these angels i mean i was trying to look through all the angels i mean some of them are super interesting i, I think the best thing about these angels is they all have ward four and and ward is a really powerful mechanic especially if you're able to kind of decide when you turn these figments into uh, angels because of course they do sit on the board um and so you can kind of have that decision and you know if you're able to n- avoid paying the cost like obviously these figments costing so much you know like f- four resources is, is a lot but if you're able to go and just straight up put them into play like that is that is good so it's gonna be hard to understand like with prism how you balance your heralds versus your figments do you play any auras at all um what do those look like if you do and uh, or are you a luminara celestial mm. fury deck and you're just trying to line up this kind of and but then the next thing is like if you are that kind of deck when you turn into angels you get your figments like 
you can't go wide, right? You're, you're playing this weapon that doesn't nah. allow you to do so. So, um, you ever seen Cheerios was- Prism, Hayden? The OG deck, the meta breaker. Oh so Cheerios Prism uses non-herald cards to get Gilligan. Um, and we definitely got some buffs here, nevertheless. You know what a card I'm most excited for? Celestial Resolve. This is the Celestial card. Resolve. Celestial Resolve is a light illusionist instant. It costs zero, Gosh. and it's a rainbow pitch. And it says target attack action card hailed this name gets plus five, plus four, or plus three. I think- Defense. Th- yes, defense, defense. Yes, mind you, that is important. <laughs> Actually, this card is potentially pretty good. Obviously, it depends on deck building, but that, that's that's decent value. I mean, you are committing, you are 100% committing to blocking with two cards when you're getting value out of this. So I think it's maybe- matchup base but i don't know seems pretty good for a blue that you could be running in prism getting plus three out of your blue i mean well you just defend with the card at that point but the plus five i don't know i'm just trying to brew with prism to be honest it is a mind warping deck like these that's that's the thing that's why i say i'm open to being wrong about you know this um you know about how good prism might be like it is it has a lot of really interesting parts to it it just feels like it's really hard to pull them all together because you have and I've said before about, you know, not being able to go wide. Of course, you can, you know, use the weapon to um, give go again. But it does cost two resources. Like, that is that is not a cheap cost. And it's only a once per turn instance. So, it is that's kind of what I meant. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just really unsure about what Prism could look like right now. My kind of first thought is it's going to look like something that has, a, of course, a mix between Heralds and, and Figments. And maybe a little bit of auras. But the more of those non-Heralds and non-Figment cards you put into your deck, the more diluted a Celestial plan is going to be yeah what do you think about ward on these um on these angels as well so if your hero is dealt any amount of damage and you prevent four of that damage and you're losing the entire the entire angel how do you think that's good how do you think that interaction is going to be as the prison player you get these things going to feel very fragile like you're going to be getting a few out and then blocking a lot like what is the game plan around these figments and turning them into angels um, I mean, I think water is really powerful, as you know, as a Kano player. Uh, water is very good. Well, it's <laughs> very good. Kano. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, but I think because the power comes from the fact that you can kind of dictate when you want to flip these figments, I think. So you can, I think you can get a few into play and then you can start to kind of maybe start to flip them and then leverage into this kind of game plan where you sort of start to take some tempo and you're not using you know, cards from hand to do it because you've got these figments to play first and then you're flipping them. Um, I think that might be kind of what the what the, what the the game plan looks like. Um, you know, it's a once per turn ability to awaken a figment. So you could keep awakening one every turn, attacking them, replacing yeah. them, for instance. Um, so, yeah, it could look a little bit, it feels a little bit more Dromai-ish than Prism-ish when it comes to, yeah. to these. Are angels. figments pretty dangerous because you just, you always want to be getting them off of Prism's ability and never casting them? For their cost. Yeah, they don't block. They don't block. Yeah, yeah, That's but you, thing, ne- like- you never want to just be like, okay, Figment for turn, right? You always want to be, you know, use whatever card with Herald with your name is put into Prism's, you know, your yeah. Prism sold. Or you go get it basically for free, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure you, I'm you not don't want to be casting them. No, no, you, you don't yeah. want to be casting them, but and they I think, block for you know, nothing, so it's like it's they block double, so, double so whammy. You can play. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's that's the kind of problem I'm having with uh, sort of evaluating Prism, um, a little bit. It seems kind of I don't know. This the figments seem uh, kind of rough. But, kind of rough. Yeah. So I did check soul food. It's actually listed as <laughs> they specifically mentioned soul food in the release notes for uh, Prism uh, Awakener of Soul slash Advent of Thrones. Um, and yes, you would get separate triggers. So, you know, Soul Food, go and find yourself four, uh, four figments. That's, so yeah, that's pretty good. 10 minute rabbit hole. <laughs> it's like, oh God, this yep, is yep. work. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some cards. 
is there anything i mean obviously we talked about heralds there's pigments is there any in particular like of the i mean maybe we can talk a little bit about i guess first of all the equipment the um imperium rapture so this is the light illusions equipment chest it says if a card with herald in its name has been put into your hero's soul during your turn the first hero ability you activate this turn costs two less to activate so you can activate your awaken your figments for free basically yep and it says once per turn instant one resource this gets ward one until end of turn um so of course it would, would be would destroy it so it's basically giving you it doesn't block for anything so it's basically giving you this kind of ability to uh, at some point use it for one defensive value but otherwise you're going to get this this uh uh, static ability off of it yeah it's so funny seeing a lot of these cards and be like oh crown of seeds nope <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know one of the one of the figments i think is the most interesting is like figment of war um being able to turn it into Bologna, who allows you to put plus one counters on each angel you control just seems potentially powerful to push that figment endgame i mean the rest of the figments are basically I think they're all interesting they're, yeah they're, i mean they're mirrors of their herald counterparts right so like figuring a rebirth is what you'd expect ravages is you know dealing arcane damage except, damage yep. yeah i mean everything's what you expect except for figment of war which is this sort of like anthem type mm-hmm. um type angel which gives you plus one and also i'm assuming you'd be accumulating figments and transforming them sort of like on an alpha turn and trying to bump with Bologna, but I'm not sure Bologna is actually going to be a card that you'd be playing. Like maybe you're just trying to get individual value out of them before they get popped. That's the thing. Yeah. Are you looking for individual value or are you looking to like, you know, you mess like four or four figments, five things, whatever it has over this kind of game. And then you just go in your opponent's turn, uh, activate prism. And then on your turn, activate prism and then his double angel attack. And then, um, you know, or here's a herald into the once per turn instant. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. It's really it's gonna be really interesting. But those that's kind of where I'd start is trying to balance between heralds and, and figments and um looking at what sort of deck I could come up with, probably have some defensive cards in there. Uh you know, the Light of Soul, the Fable was interesting. So this is the it's yellow, it says when this is it's it's a gem. When this is pitched, reveal the top card of your deck. If it's yellow, you may put it into your hero's soul. So there's a lot of good ways to get cards into soul at least. Um which is which is interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do you think you would play Light of Soul? Mm, again, it's another card that doesn't defend. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you're at 32 life. You're at 32 life. All right. So Kano starts at 30, and pretty much all the cards in Kano block. You block a lot in Kano because if you don't, I mean, there's some heroes that, I mean, a lot of heroes kill, kill you in two thirds, but some heroes can kill you in yeah. almost one. Uh, like it is a extremely low life total. I don't know. Prism is one of those heroes. I mean, you can tell by the, you can tie, you can tell by the design, right? It is going to be extremely hard to evaluate before you get your hands on the cards and feel what it's like yeah. to put this kind of deck up against something like Alexi. And I can imagine that initially it's not going to feel great uh, being at that sort of life total. I don't know if it's more of a Herald-esque deck still. I doubt it with Luminaris going away. Luminaris probably being one of the best weapons to help facilitate a Herald-based game plan. And even then, Prism wasn't a really Herald-based deck, right? It played like the auras where a lot of the power came from. Yeah, that was the that was the power builds. We started, and that, that's the thing. This Prism will go through similar probably to what we saw with old Prism. It will go through this kind of you know, these changes of what the philosophy of what the deck could look like. And, you know, in the end, we ended on these really powerful aura-based builds. But I want to ask sort of question to end on when it comes to Prism. And this is about Herald. So you talked about the card. You talked about Celestial Resolve. What about these other cards that interact with Herald? So we have Angelic Descent, which is a zero-cost. Again, all these cards are instants that don't block. Um, this is a, a zero-cost instant light illusionist. They're all zero-cost, actually. Uh, so Angelic Descent is the one that gives go again and plus three to an angel attack this turn. 
Um, yeah. The more I think about Celestial Resolve, the more I think it might suck. <laughs> and I'm kind of coming around the same way in like a jealous side. I just remember playing the the Prism, um, the Cheerios Prism deck, and we would use a lot of pumps. So things like Phantasmify. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are very well-statted pumps. And yeah, it's fine. But the problem is, is like you, you have a very... Few- <laughs> a very select amount of terms where you can either remove Phantasm from said card or you can assure that your opponent will not have the popper. And like you play these cards again, it's just, you, you find yourself in these very contextual scenarios. Like not only does it need to be a Herald, but they also need to not have the popper. I also need to have something like Dreamweavers available, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, whenever those stars don't align, you have like this ultra dead card in your hand. Like it doesn't block. I mean, you might even be playing like the red or the yellow. So it doesn't pitch. Well, it's, I don't know. These cards in specifically Hayden do not excite me except for trying to do cheesy stuff. Yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, that, I mean, that's, that's the caveat of all prism is I could be wrong. We'll see. I I think they've clearly very made this hero very balanced, but we'll see if, you know, I mean, there's still powerful stuff here. There's still very powerful stuff here. That is the most condemning statement in Flesh and Blood. This hero is very balanced. (laughs) Let's, let's, let's see how it ends up uh, shaking out. Let's, uh, let's finish up the the pod and talk about maybe some of these generics. And um, I mean, let's, there's some hero specializations. Of course, we do have uh, the... Anthem of Spring, which is the the Briar one, that's interesting. I think that's a, that's a, obviously an upgrade for Briar. Northern Winds, so for Ultim, so we don't need to bother talking about the card. Call Down Lightning. I don't. This is the Lexi specialization. I don't see this card being uh, very relevant. But people, you know, without Ball Lightning, without these powerful Lightning cards, it's so hard to play Lightning Lexi. So um, I don't know. My kind of take was that we we won't see this card really. Uh, but I think when you look to some of the generics. Uh, there's some interesting stuff. Hold the line is a particularly interesting card. This is the generic defense reaction at Majestic. It defends for two, costs zero. It's blue pitch and says, if the attacking hero has drawn two or more cards this turn, prevent the next three damage that would be dealt this turn. So, you know, against three of a kind, this is a zero for five, for instance. Against, you know, Blood Rush Bellows, this is a zero for five. Um, against Tome of uh, Divinity, for instance. Like, there's a lot of different ways that this can trigger and it becomes a zero for five. A blue defense reaction is pretty good. Split across two sources of damage as well. Yeah, there's some other cards I want to I want to talk about here, Aiden. What do you What are your thoughts on Reality Refractor? Um, so it's kind of like uh, God, I already forgot its counterpart card, the one that exists in Monarch Iris of Reality. But instead, it says Illusionist or as you control our weapons with five base attack and once per turn action attack. So no go again, um, and it costs yeah. two. Do you think this is because you? I don't know because you got to get your Herald to get going. I mean, yeah, obviously. I don't know. I'm just wondering if this is a sort of yeah. a powerful option for for Prism. The reality. Yeah, I mean, you play auras, right? So I, I don't know. It's spectral shields, and it wasn't interesting to me. But yeah, know, I, I think I, Iris is better. But exactly one card I do think is good is Flicker Trick. I think that's a good card in Jeremiah. I think Jeremiah will will play the zero for five defense reaction with Mirage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yes, that is a good yes. card. Um, and I think Lost in Thought is a terrible card, but it might be used as a cyborg card in some sort of hyper specific scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people. Jerome, I was saying this this card they thought was was good. I, I think nah. this card is pretty bad. I think nah. um, Diadem of Dream State, the Illusionist equipment head that has Ward two and says once per turn, when this or a non token permanent you control with Ward is destroyed, you may pay one if you do create upon a token. That that's quite an interesting card. I like these Ward cards. Obviously, the equipment they start in play, they might not remain in play because the yeah. Ward, you know, they could die really quickly. But I think if you can keep these in play, same with the um, Celestial Kimono as well. Like the idea of ward on these equipment is actually super interesting, I think. 
it's powerful. That's a powerful ability. You know, like you you have ward on these other things and you get ponder tokens every turn. You're just effectively paying one to draw a card to like, especially if you're happy to ask on most of the cards in your deck. Like I'm not saying it's a card that everyone wants to play and it's going to go into every illusionist deck and it's like the be all and end all. But it, I think ward, like they've printed a really powerful yeah. effect on a card and then they've given it ward. And that is interesting. Yep. Unfortunately, it does go into a class where a lot of your cards don't block. I mean... <laughs> So that well, that does make it does make it hard. This one of those cards. It's very hard for us to evaluate right now, but it, it does have like that power ceiling. Um, it does. Anyway, just to touch on loss and thought again, because we didn't read out the card. Look at target hero's hand. Choose an attack action card from it. If you do, they put that card on the bottom of their deck, and they create a ponder token. Go again. It costs one and blocks for two. Uh, yeah, people talking about this card being good were just they were high on their own supply on Twitter. Well, so it does have some effect, right? Like it is this kind of thing where you can set up these really big. You know, you can like stockpile dragons and you can get to this game state where, you know, and previous has been the the miraging metamorph, um, sorry, not miraging metamorph, the, um, the aura that makes you lose phantasm plus not you. Mirage. Yeah, close. Yeah, that, that's the dragon, but there's also the aura Oh, as the well. aura. Um, oh. Yeah, I've forgotten this name. This is blue aura, the Cosera. It makes, makes, yeah. So you have that, right? But this now could... You know, you could take out the popper from the hand, for instance, and then come in with your ghostly touch. Also, I think the thing it does is like it gives you the ability to be like, okay, let's look at your hand. If you only have the one popper and I take it and then come in with my ghostly touch, like that is that is actually huge. Like you have all the information and you can come in with the whole turn. It's not like previously it was like you come in with ghostly touch and then it's like, okay, well, that lost phantasm, they use the, the popper on the next dragon or whatever to end your turn. You can come with your whole team. So you get the information and you put the popper to the bottom, you're not just stopping the popper for one activation. Like I do think this card does have some utility. I just don't know if it's going to fit into the game plans of, of how you want to use this. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Crown of Providence reprint. We've talked about it already. Happy to see that. Uh, frontline. I mean, any anything to say about the frontline equipment um, and potentially They're some very Okay. Why is that? They're definitely interesting. Like the problem is like if you obviously go first, then they're immediately bad best iron rot. If your opponent goes first, are they attacking you? Yeah, you why have to would, use it on turn zero. Your opponent would have to be so dumb to attack you when you have frontline equipment because they can see you have this. Why, yeah, why? There has to be a reason, I think. <laughs> and and there are decks that potentially want to attack on turn zero, um, you know, like Brute, for instance. But I just, yeah, I mean, they're interesting at least. It's it's a cool idea. Will they ever see play and be relevant? I, I don't know. Okay um sensor anything to say about that i the ability okay i'll read it out i forget sometimes uh attack action uh attacks five blocks for three cost one red pitch says when this hits when this hits a hero name a card they can't play the name card until the end of the, uh the end of their next turn yeah i was excited about this card until i thought about being an on hit rather than just an on play on play would have been really interesting but do you have any thoughts about this and um you know, maybe in like some narrow class constructed meadows and people are doing degenerate things. Is it a playable card? Is it good enough at one for five with the bonus? Like, I don't know. I don't know if this will see play, where it will see play, how good it is. I will say that I think cards like this are, are really interesting. And the things that I like about where Flesh and Blood is taking design is that they print these kind of abilities to interact. And interaction, I think, is is good for the game. So yes, it is not an effect, but you know, if you come in at your opponent with a five card hand and they, you know, don't block with two cards, letting this hit, they're gambling away the potential for their big five card turn, for instance, right? So as opposed to maybe this buys two cards because otherwise they're just going to not be able to play their Blood Rush Bellas, it's obviously sitting in their arsenal, for instance. So yeah, I, I do think this is a color. It's, 
yeah, exactly. I think a card like this is well, I think they just play it in response, but <laughs> but I think this I think this card is, is really interesting. But and also it's a, quite a cool art, I think. I love it. It reminds me of old like magic art from sort of like An old um, fantasy art, yeah. Masks and yeah, yeah. Um, the, there's one other card I want to talk about, which is uh, Mischievous Meeps, which is, <laughs> I know, been a bit of a joke. Yeah. It's a one-cost generic attack action at Majestic. Attacks with two defense, two, and says, when this is hero, gain control of an item with cost two or less they control. Otherwise, draw a card. It has the Kyloria text on it, um, except it's two or less and it's an item. So, I mean, it could be relevant against Dash, mm, but it does equipment it does block. attack with two, defense, two. Yeah. I would just equipment yeah, block this. Razor Reflex, baby. Yeah, yeah Razor Reflex, but you're also playing that shit card in your deck, so good luck. Poison the Well. Yeah. Uh, sorry. You're not... This is a funny card for me to bring up, I know. But generic instant blue, cost zero, says the next time... It blocks for nothing, attacks for nothing. The next time your hero would gain life this turn, a hero would gain life. Instead, they lose that much life. Man, yep. there was some people that came to me on Locals were like, do you see the anti... This, the anti Sigil Solace card? I think this card is really bad. Um, I think this card is probably not going to see much play in Classic Constructed or Blitz, but I mean, it's yeah, it's an interesting card. I This is one of my favorite arts in the set, I'll tell you what. It looks good, yeah. I think it's a multiplayer card at best. But yeah, let's talk, I just want to quickly hit up on why this card is not good. <laughs> because this card is dead unless your opponent is like actually playing like a Sigil Solace or some sort of game life effect. You can't play Blues to block zero. Like Titanium Bobble. And then Bobble, it's zero for three. Yeah, t- exactly. So the ceiling is also kind of garbage. Um, Titanium Bobble is like a playable card. Blue card that doesn't block for anything is not playable you can't play those cards but i there was actually some people that were really excited about it. multiple people by the way came to me and talked to me about yeah. this card it's not good um anything yeah. else from the generic slot you want to talk about hold the line anything like that uh no I, th- I think that's kind of that's kind of it really i mean the set is super interesting um this we've talked a bit about it last week kind of this idea of you know providing support for a set that isn't wide for necessarily all players for all classes there's you know, minimal support outside of the light and shadow heroes. But yeah, I'm interested to see kind of how this shakes out for Classic Constructed. We're going to get our first glimpse of that in the next week when we see Battle Hardened and uh, also The Calling, see what people bring to the table. Will it still just be Lexi, Drow Myers? Um, you know, what's going to potentially replace Ultim? Are we going to see anyone show up with Prism Light Illusionist and break the format? Is Levier actually the, the new it uh, the new it girl? We'll, we'll have to see. But um, yeah. High level questions to wrap up, Hayden. So in Dust Hold On. Quick fire. Quick fire. Shadow or light? Which one do you like more? For design, uh, from shadow. design. Yeah, me too. Oh, from design? Yeah, shadow. Shadow. <laughs> I mean, design. Okay, how about power level? Actually, design's pretty close, to be honest. I think the Bolton design is actually pretty interesting. And I think the Leviathan is, but I don't think, I don't find the other two particularly interesting. Uh, power level, I think shadow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, let's say week. Uh, okay, just call it Nationals meta. Do you think any mm-hmm. of these heroes, uh, Vincent, you know, new Leviah, what kind of is new, Bolton mm-hmm. or Prism will make it into a top, into an Australian top eight? Let's just say top eight in general. Uh, I actually think Bolton is like the potential to be the surprise. I just oh, think I it think might have Levia. the most consistency. I, I'm not sure. I've been playing a bit with Leviah and it is tough. Still, dude, it is still tough. So I don't know. It definitely has the power. Um, it's really going to depend on how good decks like Lexi and stuff still are um, and sort of other decks. Look, look, I, I have been enjoying Leviah. Um, might end up doing like a deck deck or something in the Leviah deck that I've been kind of playing around with. But um, yeah, it is It is probably, I'm thinking maybe not good enough, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and last question is, have you had any more testing on Vincent and do you still have the same thoughts or have you had new thoughts or... 
Have I what? Sorry. Have you tested Vincent anymore uh, at all? Anymore? No, yeah. only a few games. I think it's. Um, I don't have much more to say about it. I, I think it's interesting. I think it's it's got such cool mechanics, and there's so many different avenues to go down in terms of what you could do with it. But it's it's definitely not chain. Anyone who's saying it's close to the power level chain, I think it just straight up. <laughs> so. All right. Also, people are underplaying Flail. Okay. Last last question. I promise. Most powerful card in the set. What is it? You can only pick one. Most powerful card in the set. I haven't even thought about this. I mean, I'll tell you what, Scaling Flesh Plague is a, a pretty powerful card. Um, it, it might be Iron Song versus, to be honest. I think that card is is very, very good. Um, oh, but actually, Crown Problems. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. You heard it here first. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll just give a couple of like honorable mentions. I think Slithering Shadow Pete is a, a really, really good card. Um, I think that the... Is it Spirit of War? Yeah, we didn't talk about Spirit of War, but that is, a, I think, a powerful card. Levy um, Redeemed is a powerful card. Like Levy Redeemed, is, yeah. that that might be the most powerful card. Yeah, there's a few contenders. We'll, we'll see. Because it's a free roll, right? Like, I mean, like, ish. You know. Wow, ish. Yeah. Coming in from the sideboard, you know, it's a it's a new concept. So it, it's Pe- just people it's will good. find that you can play around that card, uh, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 118 of Arsenal Pass. That is our breakdown on Dust of Dawn. We'll definitely be diving into some class constructors with the meta starts to shape up, and we have some data to look at, some events to look at. I think we've got a special guest coming on the pod to join us next week, hopefully if all things go well with recording this weekend. Um, you can find us on Twitter. We're at Arsenal. Uh, sorry. Brendan APG and Fian underscore Dale. Where are we? I'm like lost. <laughs> I don't know where we are. I'm 30 uh, years old. I can't us. remember. I'm not yet. Okay, uh, you can okay, find okay. us on YouTube at Arsenal Pass. Uh, go check out some of our videos. We'll have some deck takes and stuff coming out for national season as well. Uh, yeah. plus, go check out that Monarch video. Yeah, sub to that Patreon. We're, uh, we're raising funds, but Hayden in the home, he gets lost sometimes. He's <laughs> <laughs> getting old. <laughs> uh, all right. Until next week, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.